time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Can't believe the month of July is almost over. I've been saying that about every single month as we pass the time here, but it's true. Uh, during quarantine, when everything started in March, uh, everyone was told that they were going to have to stay home for a long time. Uh, I think a lot of us were worried that time was just going to drag on and uh, would not... Uh, feel like we were moving at all. And maybe there's some days like that, but it is hard to believe that we are wrapping up the month of July here. Uh, June and July are kind of the early summer months. And then August, you almost start thinking about football uh, generally in most years. And so even though August is still summer and technically a little more summer into September, it is rather odd that things are wrapping up quick here. Uh, baseball has started. There's a few games really that have, uh, uh, I guess uh, <laughs> shaped the season already. You know, play you play a couple series, and it's like, wait, you're six games through a sixty game season. Season's already ten percent done. It's hard to believe, but it's all getting used to things, right? And we will continue to do that in moving forward. I think the NBA uh, opens tonight. That's going to be very odd looking. I- I've seen a few of the scrimmages, uh, and you know, it's it's it is odd. That's all I could say. I think I speak for a lot of people uh, when I say that. I wish the um, the NHL would kind of move things along a little bit here, a little quicker. We'll say, but uh, time will tell. I think they they've kind of the NHL always is kind of behind the scenes. They're always kind of just like quietly doing their thing. I think hockey is very different from the other sports uh, in the sense that. Uh, you know, there's a big Canadian following, following, of course, but it's in an inter- international game as well, much like basketball, much like baseball. Uh, but the thing is with hockey, it's almost like it doesn't get talked about a whole lot in mainstream sports media, uh, even in the playoffs. The playoffs are kind of just like, oh, well, until it's the Stanley Cup finals, that's really uh, all that all that uh, the attention goes. So it's odd here that Apparently, with the NHL, they are going to restart their season and just go into this massive playoffs right away. So, hopefully, it draws some attention. I, I know a lot of people are waiting for the NBA. Baseball's going uh, already, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious at the continued interest in all these things because there's so much going on around the, the country these days. Whereas we've been starving for sports for so long, and I continue to say that. Uh, but again, with with some of the off the court, even on the court drama. Uh, that uh, people are trying to escape and, and just watch some sports. We'll see uh, what happens with all that. Uh, but yeah, the NBA opening tonight, uh, two games, that is, the Jazz and the Pelicans. And of course, uh, the the late ca- the late start is the Clippers and the Lakers. So a uh, very odd. Again, it's month of August and we're talking basketball. I mean, you, or excuse me, not August yet, but almost. And usually you see these NBA logos and NBA teams on television and on your phone and you think, Oh yeah, that's summer league, but no, this is uh, the real deal. And moving forward, we're going to finish out the uh, very short <laughs> remainder of the regular season and then go into a playoff format. So uh, hopefully it's entertaining. Hopefully people 
uh, aren't tuned out or turned want to turn off the games because of some of the other things going on. Uh, but only time will tell guys only time will tell. I do want to mention something I saw recently when I was recording with Bill Barnes for our Wednesday show, we did see the Dodgers and Astros kind of the, uh, I called it a tough guy contest. You know, there were no punches thrown. They really didn't get too close in each other's face. And, And that's kind of, that's kind of how baseball fights generally go. There are exceptions. There are times when, Guys want to swing and really uh, stir it up, but but baseball, there's just so much so much talking. Anytime stuff like this happens, it's guys who uh, they don't. Some guys don't mind getting their hands dirty and getting in a fight, but uh, other guys just want to talk and put their chest out and everything. Uh, I've heard a lot of Dodger fans here in Southern California that are just thrilled with what Joe Kelly did in throwing a baseball over the head of Alex Bregman uh, on a three zero pitch, and then uh, talking smack to the dugout as he walked away. And and here's what's funny. I mentioned this in our interview with Bill Barnes as we were recording kind of when it was happening. And with baseball fans, I could say any, any fan bases really, but baseball specifically, there's always this, we live in this very offended world, right? Well, well, baseball is the king of offended. There's all these unwritten rules and everything. And, And also, you know, when a guy does something, if he's wearing your team's jersey, you, you almost want to defend what he does. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm glad he's on my team. Joe Kelly for president. Uh, joke, yeah, what a guy. And then if that guy did the same thing to your team, you would be furious, which is hilarious to me. And and maybe I'm the, uh, the uh, impartial guy I've become over the years in being able to kind of identify certain behaviors and being like, you know, you guys are kind of out of control there. I mean – I get what why he did what he did, uh, but the same Dodger fans and defending Joe Kelly, saying what a great guy he is, uh, you know, when he beat them in the World Series in 2018 with the with the Red Sox, uh, they they really had had a lot of negativity to say about him. And then when he played for the Dodgers in the World Series the following year, or excuse me, not the World Series, as they lost to the Nationals in the divisional round. Uh, you know, he had a tough time. He struggled a little bit and Dodger fans were just all over him. So uh, they were all over him for wearing the Dodger blue and not performing like he had done against them in the previous year. And then all he had to do really was throw a baseball over a guy's head and uh, behind him, send a message of on purpose, of course, uh, and then kind of, you know, stick his chest out and, and uh, try to, you know, basically um, take on the Astros. Now I'm not saying what Joe Kelly did was, Again, I'm not in that environment, so I can't really speak too much about it. Uh, He did what he did. He felt was right. I do know this. A lot of times you see actions of players, it's because there's something else going on. And, you know, the Astros are not (laughs) innocent in this whole thing. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, the focus was on Joe Kelly and the hitter. But stuff's coming out of the dugout. The guys are saying certain things. I actually was able to find a clip where you could listen to the audio, and it's pretty hilarious. Uh, not much being said, of course, just kind of, Hey, you did this to me. I did this to you. So it's rather funny. Uh, but you know, when, when teams are talking trash to each other, no one is innocent. And and it's almost like little kids like, well, he started it. And it's like, well, you're both acting like children here. But anyway, um, Joe Kelly threw that over the head, the pitch over the head of Alec Bregman and, uh, Dodger fans are really happy. They think that is a form of, uh, revenge of, uh, you know, and, and justice, I guess, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm an old school baseball guy and I understand uh, the game within the game, the unwritten rules for sure. Um, but I don't think, look at make no mistake about it. In 2017, the Astros cheated. It was absolute cheating with the trash can and everything. 
Uh, but throwing a baseball at someone, it doesn't really change anything. The, the banner's still up. It's th- they're still the world champions from 2017. That's a different argument, a different show. If you want to talk about that, uh, we can someday soon. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, I understand why Joe Kelly did what he did, and I also understand uh, the Astros being upset about it. Uh, it is rather funny to me to see Dodger fans uh, almost overjoyed by it, by the fact that Joe Kelly threw a baseball at the guy and then kind of mocked them uh, for, for crying about it. So uh, it's all entertaining. We'll say that. Uh, I don't have to agree, disagree with anything's going on. It's all entertainment. Uh, I am glad I don't have to sort that out as an umpire because um, it's just more work for those guys to have to get in between and separate everyone. And how weird was it too, with the whole social distancing thing coming up? Like, yeah, if, if we didn't have these guidelines, these six foot rule, I'd really do something. And it's like, okay, dude, well, Generally, it's a song and dance also with with uh, non-social distancing uh, guidelines and everything. So I don't know if you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's it's entertainment for sure. It's a couple nights ago now, but uh, we're going to see more of it. We will absolutely see more of it uh, in moving forward here. Even without fans, uh, baseball will still be baseball. I did want to make mention of someone who I have tremendous respect for in baseball. I think a lot of other people do as well. Uh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a very good player. Um, you know, I, I always watch players, their interactions with other people, um, how they carry themselves and especially how they treat umpires and, and Mike Trout, look at, if you play baseball long enough or you umpire baseball long enough, even the good guys you, you respect, you're going to have disagreements with that's part of baseball. I mean, it's like saying you could be married with someone or someone you really love, you know, you have a girlfriend or, uh, you, it's like saying you're never going to have disagreements with them. Those are people you love. And so, I saw over the weekend Mike Trout took a very tough pitch to end the game uh, for strike three, uh, last pitch of the game, uh, top of the zone. It it uh, it was funny because the headline was you know Mike watch Mike Trout explode uh, over a uh, over a uh, brutal call, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And so number one, I wanted to see where the pitch was, and number two, I wanted to see uh, Mike Trout explodes because in general. He seems like a pretty respectful guy, you know, not like some of these other baseball players that uh, really don't know how to behave and just cross the line all the time. So I saw the pitch and Mike Trout, he was mad, game ended. He thought it was up, I'm sure. And he just took his helmet off and he started kind of complaining and he's walking. The game's over, right? He's walking towards his dugout as he's arguing. Uh, doesn't slam anything down. He's obviously mad. All right. And, and it was interesting because he's walking away and the umpire's standing there. Um, and he says a few words too. And it it was like, it wasn't this heated explosion that, you know, the the headline portrayed. And I'm like, I watched trout and I was like, that's a guy, look at, I'm sure there's maybe umpires who have listened to this, who are like, Oh, I had a bad experience with him uh, or whatever, but I have yet to hear of an umpire talk about that with Mike trout. You see it with other players. Uh, I would say it's probably similar to Jarek Jeter. To my knowledge, Jeter never was ejected in, in his, uh, in his great career. So, uh, I, I always watch these things. I watch how guys behave and, and Mike Trout in that situation was mad. He was upset. He disagreed, but he didn't seem like he crossed the line and he was, it was the end of the game. Theoretically, the game's over. Uh, even if you get a fine for, you know, following an umpire or doing something, you're not going to be ejected from that game because that game's over. So you're not really going to hurt your team. So he could have, he could have gone off the deep end and he didn't. And I, and I respect that a lot. So anyway, uh, what's furthermore, <laughs> Regarding the pitch, 
the pitch was a, is one of those borderline high pitches, right? Either up or very top of the strike zone. And it was funny, you know, the comments were about the catcher's glove and how he caught it. Like, Oh, he framed it really well. And then I'm looking at it and you know, that like fake strike box, everyone puts on their TV, the K zone, right? That is uh, super accurate and everyone wants to go to. Well, guess what? The pitch actually hit the, the zone. The pitch hit this strike zone that everyone praises so much and says, we need this instead of umpires. And it hit it. Well, you know, I don't know if the full ball obviously didn't, but it, it, it lit up, it lit up uh, the baseball that, Hey, it, it was in the zone. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. If we're going to say these strike zone, these K zones are the way we need to go. And then you're going to still argue with an umpire, not Mike Trout. I'm talking about the, the media, the, the broadcasters at the time, the person who wrote this article, they're talking about, uh, you know, all oh, the pit. It was a brutal call. I'm like, brutal call. A brutal call is a pitch that bounces or something goes over the head of someone. Like that wasn't a brutal call. It was. It actually hit your the 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 uh, strike zone cyber strike zone box that you media members worship. So let's let's try to be consistent here. Umpires are always told to be in, uh, consistent, and you know we've had this inconsistent year, inconsistent leadership, inconsistent policies this year. Uh, you know what, uh, if you're going to constantly make umpires, your target, talk about how bad they are and use those cyber box. I don't even know what to call them. Imaginary strike zone, whatever, whatever your, your computerized strike zone. You're going to use that as your ammunition to point out how bad umpires are or whatever. Well, you can't then write about it when a pitch actually hits your special strike zone computerized box. It's just, it's just unbelievable to me. Uh, and no one calls people out for this. No one calls out like, hey, actually the pitch was a strike. Or hey, actually the pitch was, it was a close pitch. And if it was a little up, we're talking the smallest of less than an inch, a, a half an inch. Like you guys understand how close pitches are when they are missed. They are so far from what the media makes them out to be as egregious misses. And yes, on YouTube and all sports center, I'm sure there's moments where people will put out a, uh, Oh my, look how bad this was a pitch. It almost bad. Yes. There are egregious misses at times, but when you break it down with the 40 or so play jobs, that major league baseball umpires work roughly a year in regular seasons, not this season, 40 or so play jobs. Generally speaking, um, we're talking a, not even a handful of pitches you see over uh, probably close to 300 a game. And we're talking about less than a handful, maybe of like really, really, really bad misses. Like it's so few and far between it's, it, it's almost never happens, but of course the media uses that and explodes on those moments. They're not talking about the pitch that is just off the plate. Oh my goodness. That's out of the zone. How could he call that? Uh, even though they do that as well. Uh, but they hang their hat on some of these egregious misses that are nowhere close where something happened. A guy got blocked out. I don't know, but the egregious misses are not that often. And media, this is all my challenge to you. No one's going to hear this or care, but if you're going to complain and use your little cyber umpire box as your ammunition to bash umpires, what will we'll certainly don't do it when the pitch actually hits your little special strike zone. Okay. Uh, I don't agree with you uh, complaining about pitches that are barely missed uh, in general as well. But when a pitch hits your zone, 
and then you complain about it, uh, you know what? You are completely defeating your little argument and your little purpose. So, guys, those are my couple of cents we'll say today regarding baseball. Baseball's back, so we're talking a lot more baseball these days. It was almost our entire conversation with Bill Barnes yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more baseball today with our guest. I did not mention him off the bat, but uh, Joe Maiden is our guest today. Joe is a college baseball umpire. He umpires primarily in the Pac-12. He is a uh, postseason college baseball umpire, works NCAA regionals. He's been doing it a little while now. He also has some experience. When he started umpiring, he, he was in minor league baseball worked uh you know the lower lower levels a ball and then got to double a uh he'll talk about his story kind of getting involved in baseball um the journey if you will and then transitioning to college baseball what that has been like and just also how things have been here during this quarantine during this lockdown the fact that you know baseball was uh cut short for all of us and for a lot of guys even guys who have full-time jobs uh, and, and use kind of college baseball money as secondary income. Uh, it's still, it still is a hit for everybody. It, it's a big hit. And I know someone like me who really, uh, most of my money that I make my income the past few years anyway, has been primarily my college baseball money. Uh, it, it was something that obviously was very rough on me as well. So, uh, looking forward to you guys hearing our interview with Joe here, a great guy finishing up some education here during these these months that we have not had baseball, he'll talk a little bit about his experiences. He's an LA guy, grew up in or currently lives over in the Thousand Oaks area. We're going to touch, uh, cover all the bases here with Joe Maiden here uh, coming up. So looking forward to you guys hearing this. We'll take a quick break. Man alive. We will take a quick break and then be back with our interview with Joe Maiden. <laughs> Okay, joining us on the program today is Joe Maiden, not to be confused with Joe Madden, the Angels uh, manager. (laughs) Joe Maiden is a college baseball umpire. He works primarily in the Pac-12, but he does work in some other conferences out here in the West Coast. He is an umpire who works in the postseason, has worked regionals, uh, been doing it a long time. He was in professional baseball before that. His uh, normal job, we'll say, is as an environmental inspector in Thousand Oaks. I've had the privilege to work with Joe a couple of times. So he is joining us today from Thousand Oaks. Uh, Just want to say hello and welcome him. Joe Maiden, welcome to the program. Hi, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to uh, be a part of the uh, the, uh, new entrepreneur entrepreneurship going on here. <laughs> well joe i appreciate you being here i know you're a busy man uh you know who would have thought uh someone who you know works 40 hours a week and umpires uh, baseball in the, in the springtime uh can also find time to be a student you're you're, you're working full-time and you're going to uh, attending some classes at cal lutheran university joe so you're doing a little bit of everything even though uh, a lot of us are kind of on lockdown here the past few months yeah, I've, I've been fortunate. Um, in the very beginning uh, with work, we were still working um, full time. And then it kind of pulled us back from going in um, into the offices and stuff. We were working from home for a little bit. Uh, we did that for about a month, um, going in two days and working at home two days. Uh, and then I think probably within the last month here, when everything kind of started opening up before that, we were going back into the office full time. Uh, majority of us there are still some people that are working from home um, they have the 
luxury of just being able to be at the computer all day, I guess. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, <laughs> so we're, yeah, I'm more of a field guy. Uh, we do obviously have some office work we need done and stuff, but uh, for the most part, we're out in the field. So we're, um, they consider us essential, um, you know, which works out. So for, you know, it's, a, a, it's fortunate, unlike others. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been tough for a lot of people here the past few months. Um, but uh, it's good to hear that, you know, you, you were still able to, uh, you know, get work done and, and kind of still uh, attend work, if you will. And, and we're going to talk a lot of baseball, Joe. But if you can tell us kind of quickly, I mean, as an environmental inspector, kind of what is what does that revolve around? Like, what is kind of some of your day to day? And also, how did you kind of get involved in that? Where was your start in that field? Uh, so I originally started when I got out of baseball. Um, I, I got in. I got out of baseball. I was doing construction, which I've always done growing up. My family owned construction companies, uh, framing companies. You name it, we've been doing it. Um, so that was my uh, second job uh, after the season. And I had met. Uh, so we ran into a re- at a restaurant. Ran into an f- old friend of mine. I'd played baseball with his son. I said, "Hey, you know." I'm no longer playing or umpiring anymore. Uh, let me know when something opens up where you're at. And he worked out here in the city of Thousand Oaks um, in the water department. And coincidentally, the two weeks later, he's like, hey, there's a spot over opening up at uh, the street department. Go ahead and put your uh, app in and all that stuff. We'll see what we can do. And then once you get in, then come over and work with the water and wastewater department. I said, okay. So some time went by and I hadn't heard anything did all that, did the uh, apps and stuff. And out of the blue, I got a call and said, hey, uh, can you come in uh, for an interview? I was like, oh, yeah, heck yeah. So um, I got the interview and uh, did the process. And fortunately, I was able to get in. Uh, so I started out on streets uh, doing signs, you know, um, painting the stop signs on the street there, or building, building the signs that we see. Hmm. Uh, that was, well, 2007. Uh, now they they uh, contract it out and everything. They don't even re- they don't really make their own signs anymore unless it's special stuff. But did that, and then uh, some openings opened up over on the water wastewater side. Um, I went and took my uh, distribution one, passed that before I, those uh, opportunities opened up. There was a hint going around like there was going to be some opportunities, so I, I passed my uh, distribution one, and then when the, that opened up, I moved over. Did water and wastewater um, collections for about three, four years, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, I, there was a, had been an opening for uh, water quality slash environmental inspection uh, for one, two times that I applied for, I didn't get. Um, and so I just kept kind of plugging along. And then uh, the third time it opened up uh, and uh, I've been working um, some cross training with the guys uh, before that and uh, just kind of filled in my application and was the right guy at the right time. So, uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Tail is all this time, right? Just grinding yeah. away and <laughs> waiting for your time. So uh, that's good stuff. Well, one thing's for sure, Joe, being a thousand Oaks guy, you really don't have much of a commute, right? For <laughs> where <yeah>. you're working. <laughs> I, was, I was part of the, I mean, you know, I, I, Moved out here in 2012. I was I got uh, divorced in 2010, 11, and but I'd worked out here since 2007. So I was driving around working, you know, within the community. I'm like, you know what? I really like this place. 
and um, the realtor I had met uh, lived out here. He's like, nah, I think you should stay out here. I'm like, well, my family's out there. He's like, nah, you should probably stay out here. I'm like, okay. So we kept looking and looking. And then um, I ended up putting, um, what was it, 29 offers on homes. And then finally, the, the 30th one, I was actually able to get. So it was a tough road, but I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's not uh, the Valley or Studio City, you know, where it's all hip and stuff. Um, they call it like the sleepy community, I guess. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy it. So It's a real nice area out there. Um, it's uh, very nice, pretty clean. And, and it's considered Ventura County, isn't it? That's, that's another perk, Ventura County. Baby. Yeah, yeah. And, and not too far... And not, Oh, I'm sorry. I said insurance is cheaper. <laughs> yeah, you get those LA initials uh, away from the the name. It, it's amazing how much more affordable things are. <laughs> well, did you, I mean, Joe, being out there, you know, you're you're taking some classes at, uh, at Cal Lutheran, which is a beautiful campus in Thousand Oaks. Um, but with everything going on, you're kind of having to do online classes, right? So was it kind of that way before this whole lockdown for you as well? Or is that something that you recently started because they went to this like distance learning thing? Uh we, yeah, we did do, uh, I had taken, they called them, um, they had one, I've taken one class online through there. Um, and then I've had a hybrid, which I really enjoyed. That was one week was in class in person. And then the next week it was online. Um, I love that. Um, and then when the lockdown hit, the entire campus went to the, the online learning. Um, fortunately, I, I had all my math classes done and sciences done, which I think i thank God, because I think that would I, I'd be totally difficult for me to do, you know, calculus and all that stuff online, trying to communicate and have my in, in, uh, professor writing on the board and all that stuff. Um, but it's been, they've made it very enjoyable um, and work uh, with everybody. Uh, we take, we're quote unquote, the professionals program. So we're generally all older and working, um, so it's, they've been able to accommodate everybody. It's, it's worked out really well. Oh, man. Well, well great stuff. Uh, my best to you with everything. It sounds like, uh, you know, you're, you're in a pretty good situation, all things considered, with all the craziness that's going mm -hmm. around. And uh, we'll kind of circle back to uh, present day, if you will, uh, here at some point. But, but let's go back a little bit to... Um, you know, your, your younger days and growing up, you said that you moved to Thousand Oaks. So where did you uh, grow up as a kid? Uh, were you always a California guy? Yeah, we were born, born in Van Nuys. And then we moved out to Canoga Park, West Hills, uh, lived out there my entire life, got married, lived in Woodland Hills. It's still San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. um, and then got divorced and I moved out here when I started working out here. But yeah, born and raised out there. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and just, I was going to, sorry, Joe. And I was just going to say, uh, and so what was it like? I mean, did you, a kid growing up, kind of your youth, your younger days, and then into high school, were you a sports guy? Did you have, were you a sports fan? Did you play on sports? What were some of your interests in things you did, uh, younger Joe Maiden? Uh, super, super boy, jock. A uh, little skater at one time, but I wasn't very good. My brother was better than me, <laughs> you know, all the sports. But uh, dad was in construction. Um, you know, he built this little half pipe in the back. Uh, we had we had jumps. We uh, grew up by the 
these, it's called the horse trails. We'd go ride our horse or our bikes out there. They had a bunch of jumps out there. Now it's all torn down in their homes. Um, it was actually next to the old uh, Rocketdyne site out there. So uh, then played baseball all, you know, from T-ball on up. Um, played uh, high school, was fortunate enough to get make the high school team. Won uh, two city championships back to back. What school yeah. was that? Uh, El Camino Real. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and then went over to play at uh, LA Valley. Uh, never, I'm quoting, I never played a, uh, I'd say, legitimate game. It was all exhibition and stuff, inner squads. Uh, <laughs> practiced over there for a little bit. Got my AA and then um, was working at a warehouse. And I was like, you know, this is just boring, worn out, and I need to do something. I uh, had a whim. Actually, no, I was working with uh, John Bullock on a Sunday. He's like, Joe, you need to go to umpire school. And I was like, all right, what the heck? Well, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, so I went to umpire <laughs> school. <laughs> well, first off, uh, L.A. Valley, uh, I haven't umpired uh, community college baseball in a long time, but they went from like the worst baseball field ever to one of the nicer ones with the turf, a <laughs> little stadium. That place is something else, man. Wow. <laughs> well, they, and they also, well, uh, Crespi played there and that oh. was a private school. And they, I think they put in some money and got together with Valley, like, hey, it's uh, <laughs> this, you know, you know, reasonable. Cause yeah, it was terrible. Oh, sandlot, <laughs> dirt, just dirt yeah. everywhere. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> that place. Well, and, and you know, the, the Valley is a very rich baseball tradition um, for, you know, the high, high school age kids. There's a lot of different uh, players that have come out of there, just a rich area for talent in Southern California. Uh, so you were working and it was, you said John Bullock who said, Hey, you need to go to umpire school. What was your umpiring uh, start like had you umpired ever before uh, did something you jumped into after high school tell me about how you kind of got your start in umpiring uh, no I, I started 12 13 when I was allowed to uh, do t-ball games uh, as a seven eight year olds um, I would do it on the weekends or during when I didn't have baseball so I'd be going you know do school and if I didn't have baseball I generally had umpire uh, um, to umpire a game um, you know, it was 25 bucks, um, for, it was an hour and 15 time limit. I was like, I'm in <laughs> uh, Poor mom had to drive me back and forth all the time. But you know, on weekends, uh, we were there generally all the time anyway. Yeah. Uh, started there, just kind of kept going. Uh, I was probably in freshman, um, did a, a desert classic Jim Evans out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine took me out there, um, and then came back and I was just, you know, kind of like the I'd say second or third guy in line I was doing some assigning there at the park league behind the guy um, doing teaching you know clinics and stuff and just had done it all you know when I wasn't playing I was generally umpiring because it was easy cash uh, <laughs> yeah it's that you know it sounds like a lot of guys I talk to in this regard it's very similar you're in your your teenage years you're playing baseball uh you're umpiring in these little leagues and stuff and and in your case doing some skateboarding I mean you're just living the dream 25 bucks a game I mean come on how could life get any better no worries no bills just mm-hmm. loving the loving the game oh man what a time it was great no I I did it was really a lot of fun uh, <laughs> and that wasn't when the, you had the crazy parents all the time either I guess it, 
never it was there, but I just didn't know it. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> probably more aware of it now. Yeah. Uh, oh well, oh, well, the Jim Evans class, great stuff. So you eventually made the decision to go to umpire school. Um, did you go kind of knowing, expecting that you were going to get selected? Uh, was that the goal to go into minor league baseball uh, with your uh, your trip to go to umpire school? Or were you just kind of going for some training? Or like most guys, was it kind of the minor league baseball goal? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a goal. It was just a pure luck. Um, <laughs> but, hey, let's go. Let's give it a shot and try. Um, you know, what I'm doing now isn't productive. Let's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a, a shipping and receiving, you know, warehouse manager. I'm like, this is silliness so let's uh let's go get a shot um i was 23 24 <clears throat> and uh so i went and um fortunately for me that that was the year 2000 that was the year that they had the strike where they didn't hire the guys back and all that so there was i think oh, in the end i i was 28 i think it was so i don't i got hired before a lot of other guys but i think they took 63 that year oh my goodness wow. yeah, so that was a big year yeah, I mean, it would say, you know, the, the whole Major League Baseball umpire strike was, was a big deal. And for those that don't know who aren't necessarily umpiring uh, historians, yeah, there was – there's typically, I would say, one, two MLB hires every year, guys out of AAA that are hired full-time. And that year, yeah, it was somewhere like 20-something uh, new Major League Baseball umpires because of some mass resignations, we'll call it, or – uh, whatever. But anyway, uh, all that aside, uh, well, it's good that it worked out for you, Joe. And that was in 2000. So do you remember your first professional game? Uh, I just know it was an Arizona fall or Arizona fall. It was an Arizona rookie league. Yeah. Uh, it was hot. No, <laughs> I can't say I really do remember it. Um, I know my partners were there who they were, who were there, but I don't know. Uh, I know, I remember one coach through that season, Lemmy, what was his name? Lemmy Martinez, I think it was. Um, no, I can't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Hey, rookie ball is kind of a, a kind of a blur. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to be out in the Gulf Coast League, even though I was a California guy, which is kind of mm -hmm. odd. But uh, yeah, I've heard good things about the Arizona League and also some uh, not so good things, just the fact that it was so hot. And back then, were they still playing day games or had they kind of done the night games yet? No, we were all day games. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was yeah. uh, right there. Hot as you know what, um, you know, fortunately we're all young and we go out there and play. They played quick, which was nice. They had the bomb bat. I don't even know if those are still legal, but. It's amazing how much, well, even at the professional level, we'll say how much quicker the players play and how the pace of play is. Uh, when it's a little warm out because there, there's not as much drama and stuff. Everyone just kind of moves along a little better. Cause it's like, oh, let's get started with it. They were out, they've been out there since probably 10 AM. Yeah. We started at, we started at one or usually over, or was it 11? I don't remember exactly, but it was right in the middle of the day. It was just not fun. We no. sweat, you know what off. So we go back to the hotel, take dip in the pool and then go over to, um, the uh, Scottsdale mall there. Cause it's nice and cool and have some lunch and relax. Yeah, definitely. One, one good thing about rookie bowl, which I thought was kind of cool. It's, it's kind of like uh, the spring training where you're all at a hotel. It's a big group of guys, right? So that, that's at least a uh, one positive thing from rookie ball. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Talk to, uh, 
Todd Waters, he was my roommate down there. Good friend of mine. Yeah, you meet some good good people down there and good friends. Awesome stuff. Well, well, Joe, as you progressed into the minor leagues, what were some of the other leagues that you ended up working? Uh, and any uh, any memorable stops, we'll say, along the way? Uh, I, I worked all of them, but AAA, it seems like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, they were all, they all have their all, you know, high points. Uh, the Arizona up to the Northwest. Northwest was gorgeous. Um, yeah. So many places there. Um, Vancouver and Everett. Everett was my uh, family, my mom has family up in Seattle. So they came up, uh, visit us, visit me. Um, that was great. Uh, then the Midwest league, um, Beloit was nice. Cause you, we go down to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> we got to go see Wrigley field. Uh, we had a day game in Kane County. I think it was, we went up to, uh, Wrigley at night and saw the guys, the old place, the locker room was so small and just everything was cool about that place. <laughs> Um, then went over to Florida State League, um, spent some time there, loved that place. Travel was great, always on the beach. I was so tan, so fit. Woo, it was a good time. And uh, let's see, where after that? Oh, then went to the Eastern League, spent only three months. That was a mid-season call-up. Um, that was awesome. Worked with um, what was it? Scott Berry and Dave Ewell. And we had a couple night games or day games. Um, so we went in and days off. We got to go see the new Philly Stadium that year. Um, went and saw Yankee Stadium. Went to Mets Stadium, Shea Stadium. Um, well, and that was just awesome. We took trains in and out. Went and saw Statue of Liberty, uh, all that stuff. Then went to the ball game. Um, Joe West took us out. Um, that was a good time. Then took the limo back to the train. Boom, it was just a good time. And well, the Texas League, go ahead. No, 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 Texas League, continue. Texas League, long drives, Corpus to uh, was it Springfield. That was the longest one we did. Um, that was 14 hours. Um, there was That was a tough league. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. I, I learned a lot that year. Uh, and that was where I ended up finishing. Uh, I stopped there, uh, got out. My ex-wife, her mom had passed away right before our wedding and stuff and then a couple other guys um it was right after the uh strike year uh we worked half season a couple guys jumped me and i was like yeah i'm not i'm not cut out for this and just stepped away so fortunately it worked out i i shut her down in those six before spring and got hired with the city of thousand oaks in uh june of that year so right place well, right there yeah, exactly. It worked out for you. That's that's great stuff. And I think you have you have a similar, I think, minor league path with a lot of other guys. First of all, we, you and I worked a lot of the the, the mid, Northwest League, Midwest League, great places. Love those stops. And then the uh, Florida State League, those were all the same as the Gulf Coast League stops as well. Uh, some really fun places. It sounds like, Joe, you really took advantage of the fact that you were in – different parts of the country you hadn't seen you you took in all the sights and sounds rather than just kind of sit in your hotel room like some guys do yeah no it was I, it was no brainer it was like come on I'm, uh, am i ever going to get over here again you know depending on what life career goes down mm -hmm. uh it's like so we did it was it was awesome um did some stops a little bit everywhere i mean like i said florida and east uh, eastern league were just awesome i loved it you know daytona and 
driving around, went to the racetrack there, and um, all up in Beloit, Chicago, all that stuff. You know, you're not, how often you get to go downtown Chicago and or even New York, you know. Um, Northwest was Portland. I mean, Portland was beautiful too. Even uh, Vancouver, downtown Vancouver. Uh, played some golf in Vancouver. I think it was Furry Creek um, Golf Course. Awesome place. Probably one of the best courses I've ever played. Most scenic, that's for sure. <laughs> Vancouver, one of my favorite cities. Only had an opportunity to go there one time, but uh, we took advantage. <laughs> we'll say we took advantage of it. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Joe, I, I talked to a few other guys who were in the minor leagues, and they, you know, they say a lot of the similar things. They talk about the memories and the relationships, and just, you know, they they wouldn't trade the experience themselves. But what could you say? Give me a few sentences, if you will, about just summing up your your experience in the minor leagues. Was it everything you kind of expected? Uh, did it help you kind of grow as a man and as an umpire? I mean, just what are your general thoughts from the years you spent in minor league baseball? It helped me tremendously grow up. You know, you go from living with mom and dad to being on the road with nobody to um, really talk to. I mean, we, fortunately, we had cell phones. I couldn't imagine back in the day where you're doing dial up and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it helped me. I was 24, 26, 25, 26. And, you know, first time really being away from home, um, full time, all the time. Um, you know, I was off and on with girlfriends here and there and, and mom and dad living at home stuff. But this was like, for real, you're, you got to do your own laundry and all that <laughs> stuff. I was like, oh, man. So that was, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, you know, watching bill, pay your bills and all that stuff, how that all worked out and trying to manage that and manage some, you know, check mom writing some checks here and there for you and you sending home money. And it was a new experience and it helped me grow a lot. And like I said, can never take away those memories and those experiences. Hey, well, back also about Vancouver. That was the only place I ever had. I had a uh, streaker. Butt naked. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> on, on the field, huh? Someone streaker. Literally. Okay. okay. <laughs> base ran right by me at first base. I was like, oh, yeah. And jumped the fence and gone. <laughs> security came over and said, he, the guy won the 18 pack because the security guard missed him as he's jumping over the fence. <laughs> Oh man, great, great stuff. There's nothing like minor league baseball stories, that's for sure. <laughs> you tell some, you up. <laughs> tell some I, people. Would I were recommended? I mean, if you have a love for it, yeah. I loved umpiring. It wasn't um, like you said, was it what I expected? I didn't know what to expect. Um, a friend, like I said, Johnny just said, Hey, you're pretty good. I think you'll be able to make it, and I'm really having a lot of fun. Says, you should get into it. I said, all right. And I'd already been umpiring for a long time and I knew Evan's stuff. So I was just like, all right, you know, and, and it helped. I'm glad I did. Great stuff. Well, well, you you talked about kind of getting a job right away when you got out of baseball and kind of your career path took over there. Uh, was it right away or did it take a few years before you got involved in college baseball umpiring? I want to say it was probably uh, a year within a year well after because okay. I got hired in June I didn't want to start doing travel stuff I was kind of filling in maybe if they had them I told them hey I just started this new job um, I don't even think I did the uh, at the clinic because I was still February um, excuse me and so yeah that following year I did I got I told them hey contacted the people I needed to contact um, did what I needed to do 
and then had a full schedule with that. Uh, fortunately, the job with the city there, I, I worked, uh, I still do, um, Monday through Thursday, 40 hours, four tens. So I had Fridays off, and with the college schedule being Friday, Saturday, Sunday, for the most part, it just, it all worked out really well. It uh, meshed. So uh, I got into it. I just, I wasn't, I know some guys get a little bitter and I wasn't bitter. I was fortunate. I was able to quit on my own time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, you'll, you kind of miss it, wish it and stuff, but it, was, it just wasn't meant to be. Well, what's nice about college baseball, like you mentioned, general Friday through Sunday. So uh, you know, do your series in your home Sunday evening at some point. And yeah, if you do work Monday, Thursday, sounds like you have a perfect setup uh, just with your, your job and work schedule. Not everyone else has that. And for those that don't know, I mean, you live in Thousand Oaks. Um, you know, you're not always just working uh, UCLA, USC, Cal State, Northridge and Pepperdine schools close to your home. You got to be open and available to travel. So you got a really good schedule there, Joe, uh, as far as your work schedule. And is it, has that, do you think you would have been able to umpire college baseball had you not had that, that kind of, uh, that schedule, that work life like that? Because I know a lot of guys struggle, struggle with balancing work and umpiring. Probably not. Um, I mean, like you said, it just, it was such a perfect fit. Um, I don't think I would have, you know, I've probably been, trying to do other stuff and trying, uh, you know, I was doing construction at the time, you know, I was doing, I was working frame, doing, driving a forklift for a framer, my uncle framing uh, Monday through Friday during the day. And then at night, uh, six o'clock till midnight or three o'clock, well, probably about two o'clock. I'd go work with an electrician. Uh, we'd go into banks as they're getting remodeled and we remove and move uh, power and all this other stuff. Um, so, it just worked out. I mean, it was, it, like I said, it couldn't have been more aligned. The stars aligned. <laughs> well, you've been doing college baseball uh, quite a while now. We'll say, I don't know, 12, 13 years, somewhere in there. Um, you, like I already mentioned, some of the conferences you, you've worked in, you know, you work primarily in the Pac-12, but you also work a little Big West, some WAC, uh, the West Coast Conference. I know uh, you work some there. I mean, it, if if you've you've been doing it like i said over longer now than you did professional baseball so if you can uh how can let's say how do we say this how would you compare <laughs> college baseball and minor league baseball you can you can talk to about it from an umpiring standpoint from the game itself standpoint however you want to address that but what what do you what do you what would you say are the are the biggest differences in college baseball and professional baseball um Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I want to say professionalism, but that wouldn't be true because I think it's gotten better. Um, the college ranks, um, the, the, in pro ball, they just, they're not every bat is the world series. It's they're there to do a job. And if they didn't do it, okay, I'll come back and do it the next day or the next at bat. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, they also play a long, lot longer season. Um, they're doing it every day um, to, compare, to compare to college where it's only four times a week. Um, so when they're playing seven days, you know, they're those, I, I, God forbid, those guys are out there all the time from, you know, they're doing reps and stuff at eight o'clock in the morning until, you know, six o'clock at night. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine doing that, working all, the, all that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they, what else? The uh, college, I, college is great. It's just, it's a little more of the hoo, hoorah cheerleading stuff. Sometimes <laughs> it gets irritating. Um, the yelling and screaming, the, you know, standing, trying to show each other up. It's, it's, that's more of, I think that's more of a new thing, a new age thing. Um, which is fine. That's what they want the game to be, and that's what they want to do. It. Um, did, did, yeah, I was gonna say, did 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 a lot of the, when you those guys who I think I don't think there's always a tough transition, but when you go from pro ball, it's a certain atmosphere. You're dealing with certain um, you know level of coaches and players who've been playing a long time to then go back a little bit to now you're dealing with eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds. And so it's a little different game. It's still a bat and a ball, 90 foot bases and this and that. Uh, but it is, there is a transition. And I think some of the things you talked about just there, I think it was kind of a surprise for a lot of guys when they did get on that college baseball field for the first time. I was like, whoa, this is a little different. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I remember I was working at uh, SC. This was, uh, I got asked to, do an SC game late on an emergency or whatever. I was working the plate and um, the catcher kept coming in on me real late, real late. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm not getting set. I'm missing, I'm moving during the pitch and all this stuff. I said, Hey man, can you, if you're going to go inside a little bit, you know, kind of, can you go in a little bit earlier so I can have a chance to adjust and move up or, you know, whatever way I got to go. And he just said, okay. And I don't know, out hit or whatever happened. Um, inning end is, his pitching coach comes out and goes, Hey, did you tell my pitcher or catcher gets in early? I go, yeah, I'm trying to work with him. Like, so I can see the pitch. He goes, Oh, we can't do that here. They're going to tip the pitches. I go, really? He goes, yeah, we can't do that. I go, okay, well, if I miss a pitch inside, don't be mad at me because I'm telling him <laughs> not to move. He goes, okay, okay, it's fine, but I won't be allowed to, but he can't set up that early. I go, I'm not asking him to set up super early. I just asked him to get set a little tad earlier before the ball's being thrown so I can adjust. Okay. Well, just we'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So that's like, uh, you know, here as in pro ball, you just, you try and work with guys like, Hey, am I in your spot or out spot? Let's work together here, especially behind the plate where, you know, we're getting balls thrown at us here when we're trying to get the correct decisions made. You know, you give me a better look and I can say, okay, boom, we stay there or vice versa. But if you want it's like, okay, well, I got to talk to the coach. So that was, you know, the immaturity, I guess, of not knowing, um, I wouldn't say immaturity, but, um, one difference no yeah yeah that's a that's a really good story I think that should sum it up a lot for for our viewers I mean catcher goes inside on a hitter yeah you lose your window there and you're crowded and uh, your vision gets uh, obscured and then yeah that's really funny college baseball I mean we'll move on from college baseball but college baseball there's just this like constant paranoia from coaches they're always worried about everything and hey if i was getting paid the money they're making i'd probably be the same way if i'm honest uh but it's just it's just so funny to me it's like what what is, what is the worry here like you're just trying to I know, I know this joe we are all just trying to do a job and stay out of the way and not have problems that's all we want <laughs> don't exactly 100 that is perfect umpires umpires get this like uh, I don't know this like this uh, 
we're trying to screw somebody. No, yeah. We're just to- angry oh. guys all the time. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not. We want to get in and, uh, you know, be quiet and, and get out as quick as possible. Like that's all we want to do. So I wish people would, would hear that out a little bit more. <laughs> oh, um, I don't want it to be about me. Just do your job and I'll do mine. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, Joe, you know, with baseball this year, we started a baseball season. We got to March, and then all of a sudden, uh, the dominoes started to fall, and it was really weird. Uh, I was down at San Diego on the Wednesday night where the NBA said, uh, no, we're done, and we're on the field when this happened. The first base coach actually came out, and he goes, hey, the NBA just shut down. I went, oh, no, <laughs> because I knew it was going to affect us. So, w- Every umpire, all you have a full-time job, Joe. Um, not everyone who umpires college baseball has the good full-time job. I, I can honestly say that everyone who umpires uh, definitely needs and appreciates the money. So, I mean, what can you speak on to just having the college baseball season, basically most of it canceled at the snap of a finger. It, it had to be just kind of frustrating, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um and you're not supposed to do this, but I had that money already planned and, and spent pretty much um, other opportunities and other things that, you know, it's like, okay, I'll have this, this, and that. Okay. We'll be set. Um, come June, we can get all that stuff going. Um, and so trying to build a, an extra place in the house to, for an early retirement, maybe someday. And that all got kind of put on hold a little bit. Um, a little, uh, uh, little extra golf outings, uh, those all got put on hold. You know, the boys' trips, the, the little extra vacations. Um, you know, that, that money is huge. Uh, unfortunately, we lost that, and then it doesn't look good for next year either. So, uh, and it's funny, you were on the field, I was on the field, we were at SC, and a trainer came out and bring, brought us water, and, and they said, Hey, the NBA just shut down. I was like, What? And I was like, Oh, this is not good, not good at all. And, I think it was, uh, I think TCU was in town for that Dodger classic. I think it was, it might've been right around there. Um, but it was just like, this isn't good. So. Yeah. Uh, it's just very sad. And you know what, Joe, going into the season, I was kind of like, eh, I'm not really that excited about it. But then once you start playing ball, it's like, okay, yeah, I do. I miss this. I remember getting with the boys <laughs> and being on the, the ball field and then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. So uh, I guess you better be careful what you wish for sometimes appreciate what you have. Right. Definitely, hundred percent. And it's funny you say that. You know, I think we always go, "Oh, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this." We all talk crap. We're like, "No, we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it." But yet, you know, I do personally. It's like we get the that um, uh, just we have that feeling in our in our body that's are really I don't forget what they call, where it. it just tells you like, "Hey, it's time to be on the road, right?" It's like it's time to go. Like, boom. Um, you know, even my girlfriend's like, "You need to get on the road." And I was like, "You're right. We do. We gotta get on the road." I'll start doing, you know, mechanics while I'm driving or whatever. And it's just starts the feeling, the feeling starts going is I don't, I know I don't want to go do it, but it's time to go do it again. It's just, it's in your blood. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's like a song and dance. I, you hear music and you're like, Oh, you start moving. And like uh, my, my friends, they'll be, I'll, I'll be walking or I'll be hanging out and I'll just do this out signal or the safe signal. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, it's hard to explain. <laughs> that's hilarious so with the uh, because i'm sure she's not the only significant other out there that is saying don't you have somewhere to be right now can't you get away from me for a few days (laughs) 
aren't you going away this weekend? Oh, no, you're not. No, then you should go away. <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the flip side of that, uh, Joe, much like your experiences in minor league baseball, and you took advantage of seeing a lot of the, uh, you know, the sights and sounds, uh, everything that was kind of around you, the, the historical places you, you were close to, that you took the drive and went and saw it. I mean, college baseball can be that way also, right? I mean, haven't you been to Hawaii a couple times with college baseball and everything? And so I'm sure, uh, you know, the girlfriend maybe, you know, sees that a little different when you guys get to go to Hawaii or some, some other fun place, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I met her on the flight to Hawaii. No uh, kidding. All yeah. right. But yeah, no, Hawaii, obviously, Hawaii is awesome. Um, when I, I don't was a year, I don't remember when it was, um, I had gotten out. Um, where was it? It was the off season, maybe. I don't remember. Jeff, Jeff Macias and I went to Maui uh, for 10 days. That was a hoot, too. Whoa. Um, yeah. They had an independent league going on over there. Um, actually, that might be a good guy to get on a co- podcast. He's got a great memory of that weekend. I think we had, like, we had a bench clearing brawl, uh, seven guys ejected, the the radio guy got ejected. It was, it was, it was great. Three blind mics was playing. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, everywhere, Oregon's got some beautiful places. Um, Seattle. I love going to Seattle. I get to see my family. Um, uh, obviously Stanford's got a gorgeous campus. Uh, mm-hmm. we're at Berkeley. I haven't been to Berkeley in a long time. Um, they able to go play some golf up there. They got beautiful courses. Uh, yeah. And then when I think, uh, when you go for a postseason, it's generally across the East Coast. Um, we went to uh, what was it? Clemson. Clemson was really nice. It was just the kind of the money that is built and put into football is absolutely amazing. <laughs> just it was, it was unbelievable. I, I yeah. think yeah, I think that's a huge reason they want to play. It's because of the <laughs> money that it generates. Well, I think they're uh, aren't they? hoping maybe in january december well i mean that's some of the contingency plans i think but you know those those schools down there the acc the sec the big 12 uh they are planning as of now to go in september and get going and i mean i don't know if fans or limited fans but they really want the season to be during football season and they're fighting tooth and nail for it so I don't know what's going to happen, Joe. I really don't. Uh, you know, our season, who knows? I don't know if it's going to happen next year. Who knows? Oh, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's, abs- <laughs> it's out of our hands. It's out of our hands. Uh, well, well, Joe, we're recording this on a, uh, on a Wednesday evening. And tomorrow, Major League Baseball is going to be officially back. I think there's only two games tomorrow, but that everyone else plays Friday. I mean, it sounds so weird that the season is starting. And it's only 60 games. And it's going to be uh, without fans. I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of this uh, very short season, uh, Major League Baseball season that is starting up? Um, just like you were saying, speaking about earlier, like, be thankful for what you have. Um, I think it's eye-opening for them, too, just to be out there with no fans in this, you know, mic'd in uh, fan music or whatever noise. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be – it was us for uh, what rookie ball in Gulf Coast League in Arizona. I mean, we didn't have any fans. Nobody was there. It was just scouts and kids and not even scouts. It was just uh, hitting instructors or whatever it was. 
Um, so it'll be eye-opening. I'm good for them. I hope everything works out. Um, it'll give some fans uh, something else to watch, um, which will be good. I hope everything can they can keep everything um, on tap and keep it locked down to where it doesn't become a big um, a mess. Uh, it looks like golf has done done that in the past where they've been able to test people and keep everybody in line and keep uh, the people that are ill or possibly ill out. Um, so hopefully they can continue to do the same thing. I think it's a good thing. Um, let's hope it's starting in the right direction and not get worse than it already is. Yeah, this whole first six months, seven months of uh, 2020 has been just insane. So I, I think sports back, however it's back, whatever form it is in, it's a good thing for the country. I, I think people are hungry for sports. And, you know, summer, summer especially, summer is baseball time. I mean, to not have baseball on, even in the background, uh, <laughs> you know, or whatever, at, at your TV, at your house. I mean, it's just like – it's just so weird without it. So uh, I, I'm, I think in moving forward, it's a good thing. I, I, I don't know if they're going to finish or not, but, but we'll see. I think uh, baseball being back is good. I don't know how many people are going to tune in, but uh, again, I think it's, I think it's good for the country right now. Isn't the, uh, I, I agree. Isn't, uh, was it Taiwan, the Taiwan league mm-hmm. and all that they've been, they've had this through all this. Have yeah. Yeah, for us, uh, for us non-working, uh, you know, unemployed people, Joe, you know, that's, we, we could stay up till three in the morning and watch first pitch, really, uh, if, if we're starving that bad for baseball. But uh, no, I haven't done that yet. Uh, I, t- I said, if I do that, I, uh, I got some issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, well, didn't they have a good fight this past weekend or was that the week before? I know you, you turned into a little uh, martial arts guy. <laughs> Well, you know, in a ring, Joe, in a ring or an octagon. I mean, it's a little oh, different okay. on a baseball field. But, yeah, I can appreciate a good uh, a good fight as long as I don't have to, you know, kind of manage it or whatever. <laughs> oh, but then, no, but didn't they have a good uh, – was the ring, the octagon, was it, didn't they have a good fight this weekend? Oh, this past weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about a uh, no. Taiwanese baseball field or something. Um, yeah, there was uh, some good fights this last weekend, or was it the, pre- the previous weekend? But actually both weekends out in Abu Dhabi. And, yeah, it's again, it's something I've kind of really gotten into just because it's, it's uh, no, no BS, no nonsense. You <laughs> against you, let's go. Uh, you know what? Hey. So I kind of like that. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, Joe, thank you. that means you've been listening. I like that. You've been tuning in a little bit, a few broadcasts. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Good to that know. Billy Barnes, Billy Angry Barnes. <laughs> Billy Angry Barnes. That, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's a wild man. That. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have him on Wednesdays. That's for sure. Oh man. Well, well, Joe, as we kind of, uh, get around third here. Uh, you know, back in 2018, um, your city, your area of Thousand Oaks really went through a, a very difficult time, we'll say. And the community was rocked uh, not only by a, pr- a pretty tragic uh, shooting, at, uh, you know, not in that neck of the woods, but then there was some just unbelievable just huge fires in that area. And and LA is kind of known for that. There's a lot of fires, unfortunately. Uh, But I mean, it was a couple years ago and, and we're all going through a tough time right now, all of us, I can say. Um, But two years ago, your community really went through a tough time. So what can you speak of to, 
to, to those moments uh, back in 2018 with Thousand Oaks and how kind of the community really rallied to get through all that? Because I know all of us can really use uh, some motivation right now to get through some very dark times. Yeah, we, I know it was um, that morning of uh, the shooting. I woke up a little bit late. My brother texted me. He goes, hey, you okay? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, turn on the TV. I was like, oh, shit, turn on the TV. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's freaking, you know, borderline. We'd, I'd been there a couple of times with some friends. And, um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like, you, you always say, oh, never going to happen here, never going to happen here. Uh, and sure enough, it happened in our backyard. Um, wakes you up, scares the heck out of you. Uh, he's like, okay, now what are we going to do? Uh, community came, you know, they all kind of bound together with shirts and stickers and stuff, um, borderline strong. Um, it's, it's been, it was really good. Um, everybody came together. And now with the, the fires came, um, same kind of funky thing. Uh, I was sleeping. My girlfriend woke up to go to the restroom and she looked out the window and sees the big glow. And fortunately we were far enough, but it was at night and it just looked really close. And then, I mean, it was probably, it was a mile and a half from us. Um, I know a friend of mine who is within that half, a mile and a half, he was uh, forced to evacuate. Um, so yeah, it was just like, whoa, whoa, everything can happen here. Just, just grab a bull by the horns and let's go. Uh, just ride it, um, you know, prepare for the best and, do the most you can. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I couldn't believe both those uh, events happened, you know, within a few days of each other. And uh, so unfortunate that it was the Th South Thousand Oaks community. And, you know, uh, I I'm a big LA Rams fan. I know they practice in Thousand Oaks and Cal Lutheran specifically. And I will never forget though, Joe, that Monday night football game, take the football out of it. Even though it was an incredible game, the Rams, you know, played the Chiefs and uh, one of the best football games ever, but put the game away, put it out of sight. What the city of Los Angeles did at the Coliseum that night, bringing in the firefighters and the police and really making uh, that Monday night football game incredibly special. And all the residents of Thousand Oaks who'd gone through so much, what a lot of the Rams players, the Chiefs, the Chiefs players, they were wearing, even the Chiefs players were wearing LAFD hats. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a, a big moment that I don't think I will ever forget. I really hope the city of LA doesn't forget. And the times we're in today where, you know, there's so much division. Um, you want to, people have this negativity towards police it's really the exact opposite of what we saw that night in LA uh, because of Thousand Oaks. And so, I mean, you talk about rallying together and the city coming together. Um, for me, that was a very special moment in, in regards to the things that had happened in Thousand Oaks. Yeah, no, it was, um, like you said, everybody was, I mean, everybody had concern. Everybody was truly concerned about each other and everybody. Um, nobody, nobody here thought it could happen here. Um, and, you know, I think this has been voted one of the top 10 safest cities in America year after year. Um, and that's since gone down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was they're like, okay, now what are we going to do? Um, you know, the local uh, shirt and sticker got together, started doing, you know, making stickers and getting all this money together, donating it for all those, the victims. Um, I remember driving by there. Uh, was it two, probably two weeks after and the FBI was all doing their stuff. And it was just gave you chills. Like you couldn't imagine what that place looked like to have 
all the hazmat teams and all the other stuff going on. It, it was eye-opening and, and, but it was, it was nice to have people come together and, and love each other again, rather than hate. Well, it sure would be nice to see more of that here very soon. Uh, this year, I wish we could have a, a do-over in a lot of ways in 2020. And <laughs> uh, a mulligan for you, you golfer, you know, I'm sure you and I have had plenty of those on a golf course, I'm sure, but. Uh, Brought it up. Uh, it's all kind of, it, ever since the helicopter with uh, Kobe, everything's just kind of gone downhill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that was an eerie day, an eerie feeling. And it was just like, had we only known that that was just the beginning, yeah, the beginning of all this. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was a truly, truly sad day. Uh, for and, and where that crash was, Calabasas isn't too far from you. No, and then his uh, Mambo uh, Sports Center is right here in Thousand Oaks for Newberry Park. Mm. Um, it, was, it was freshly built, actually was doing some inspections on it um, before all that stuff happened or uh, this was years before, before it opened up. Um, it was, used, I think it was some kind of sports Academy and then Mamba brought, bought it, but it was, it, it is a brilliant, beautiful facility. And it was very eerie driving past that with all the other stuff going, you know, the flowers and all the people there and just, yeah, it was, thousands <laughs> has gotten a little wake up call here in the last two years. Yeah, I think uh, people who didn't know where Thousand Oaks is, you know, around the country and everything, I think they, they, they know now for a lot of negative reasons. Yeah, uh, yes. Well, one positive reason about th that in Thousand Oaks is the one and only Joe Maiden. That's for sure. <laughs> you were there. Well, Joe, as we kind of wrap it up here, anything else you'd like to say? Any other questions or uh, topics you'd like to bring up before we kind of wrap it up here? I know you're a busy man. You got homework and all kinds of other stuff to do, right? Yeah. I got four weeks left and I'm done. Oh man. All done? Done, done. No. Uh, done. I, unless I go for my master's, but that'll be up in the air. I don't know. So that's <laughs> a lot of writing and that's not one of my strong points. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, August 12th is my last, actually, yeah, August 12th, done, done. I will officially have my uh, bachelor in science and business management. Outstanding. Well, I will be sure. We'll have to have a, uh, a cerveza over Zoom to celebrate your big accomplishment, Joe. Yes, and we'll get the get some more questions going here and and fill up some more uh, time and go all, all, all for it. <laughs> yeah, I would. You know what I'd love to do every now and then we get together like right in the off season or something. It'd be great to have uh, a, a Zoom of like twenty guys, just uh, just you know whatever for a few minutes sure. anyway. Definitely, I'm all for it. We we did that once earlier this year. Uh, some buddies we generally do a, a boys trip, and uh, it was obviously wasn't going to happen. And so we had uh, six of us that were all doing Zoom and took a took a couple of shots here and there, and hooting and hollering, and it was a good time. If you get it planned going, I'll, I'll I'll join you. Okay, awesome stuff, man. Well, we'll be in touch, and uh, we will uh, we'll definitely right, make that happen. So, Joe, thank you for joining us. It was great catching up with you, man. Uh, my best to you with the uh, you know the school and the education, and you know what? Uh, hope to see you very soon. All right, you too. Take care, Matt. Thanks again, Joe Maiden, for joining us on the program. Always fun to chat with you, my friend. Great catching up. Best of luck as you finish up your classes and in moving forward. Hopefully we have baseball next season. Uh, it was great to catch up with you, as I said. And uh, have a great one, Joe. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Cheers. Well, guys, tomorrow on the program, we will be joined 
by Aaron Reichenberg. Aaron and I went to college together at Cal State Fullerton. We were seniors uh, when we met in this uh, class that pretty much summed up or took everything we had learned in our major and we had to put it into practice. We had to get in these groups uh, of five of us. It was me and Aaron, uh, actually his girlfriend at the time, it was now his wife, uh, the, the three of us and two other uh, young ladies. We were in a group for a few months here, uh, last semester of college. So we really uh, came uh, came close, uh, became closer friends, I should say. And uh, it was great really in finishing uh, our, our college career with uh, in making a few uh, good friends there at the very end of our ride. Uh, Aaron now is a high school basketball coach. He coaches at La Habra High School. He will talk about his coaching journey, what it's been like, what made him kind of uh, go from doing what he was doing into getting involved in teaching and then also basketball. He's a great coach. He's had success at every single stop along the way. He'll talk about what it's like climbing up the coaching ladder, if you will. He'll also talk about, you know, his relationship with referees and everything and how that goes. So we'll have a few conversations like that. Also what the the quarantine has been like uh, for him and his players, for his family. His wife is also in education. So uh, a lot to catch up on tomorrow. Great episode upcoming on Friday with the head basketball coach of La Habra High School, Aaron Reichenberg. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. So be sure to tune in on Friday with us to hear that. Additionally, we also have on Fridays, we've been doing it quite a while now for over a month we've been doing a segment called suds with studs usually about five to ten minutes of me talking about someone who i i find is a hero whether it be in the military which is i think every episode so far has been it started off with a lot of medal of honor winners we've also discussed robert o'neill we've talked about pat tillman uh, a few american heroes that I think we can all take a moment on Fridays to think about a lot of the people we've we've discussed were people that were either killed in action or uh, have passed on uh, just because it was a long time ago. Some of their actions maybe in the Civil War uh, or or other combat. We are going to talk about some law enforcement guys uh, eventually. I have a few people in mind, a few uh, heroes and people who have served and done great things. So that is something we've been doing on Fridays. I call it suds with studs because if it were possible, these are people that I, that I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with. And uh, I would definitely be buying because it would be an absolute honor. So be sure to uh, tune in on Friday, not only for the episode with Aaron Reichenberg, but uh, during kind of our introduction, our early part of our episode, we will be doing the Suds with Studs segment. So if you have any suggestions on people I can talk about in that segment, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. There are many ways to reach out to us uh, on the Get Home Safe podcast. We have a Twitter handle, as you guys know, that is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. Feel free to write us. You can communicate in any of the social media. An email works great. But also, if you want to leave a voice message, you can do so on our Anchor app. We also can uh, do that through the Anchor website, anchor.fm. So go on there, find our podcast. I click on the green message button. You can leave a, a little voice message. I can play that message on the air if you'd like it to be played on the air and then respond uh, accordingly. So that's an option that we have here. We're going to continue to promote that here on the Get Home Safe podcast. We don't do our 
episodes live by any means, but that's a way to kind of be a call-in, call-in type of show, right? Be a caller for some of the other talk radio shows you might hear around the country. So we want our fans, our listeners to to be involved. So we try to provide as many options as possible to not only follow the podcast, but to also uh, you know participate in the podcast one way or another. Those are plenty of options. If you have any suggestions, guys, suggestions, questions, um, comments of what I've said, uh, you want to tell me I'm wrong, I don't care. Uh, uh, content suggestions, anything. Those are the best ways to contact us. And we would love to hear from you, just like you hear from us every Monday through Friday here on the Get Home Safe podcast. One episode left on Friday, then we'll take a break uh, for a couple of days. But looking forward to tomorrow's episode, our, our Suds with Studs segment, and also you guys hearing the interview with La Habra High School basketball coach Aaron Reichenberg. So be sure to tune in with us tomorrow. Thanks again, Joe Maiden. Great episode. Great catching up with you. But guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.